2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations
0: to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family.
3: Right, it's finally here. Uh, we knew we were going to have to do this one at some point. Uh, welcome to Friends with Friends. Uh, I'm Pete, here's Dave. Ahoy, hoy. Well, it's time to address uh, one of the most problematic in hindsight episodes of Friends. The good thing about this episode is not only is it problematic, it's longer than normal. <laughs> yes, um, they're normally about 23 minutes, aren't they? Yeah,
2: 22 is like a sort of an American uh, half hour of telly. This is 35 nearly. Do we know why that was? It is, Peter, would you believe? This, this storyline, this wonderful storyline, is uh, the 200th episode of Friends.
3: And this is what they did with it. <laughs> this is what they did. <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um, so, they've given them more time. I think they probably just went to the network, didn't they, and said, look, we've got this storyline, I know it's the 200th, and we can't quite get enough references from Ross about Freddie Prinze Jr. being gay and can we have a bit more time? And then he can do yeah. like three or four more
3: jokes. Then he can do a joke about bi people as well.
2: Yes, a punchline about bi people, no less. It wasn't just like a passing one, was it? That was the ha-ha-ha yeah. end, of, end of scene. Uh, what well, um, I would say, quite enjoyed this episode on the whole, uh, despite, despite the Ross elements. There's still a lot of good bits about that storyline that I really enjoyed uh, and some other good bits about the other. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, isn't it?
3: Shall I, I've got a really good Freddie Prince Jr. fact. Okay. Um, Hang on, is this about Freddie Prince Jr. or is this about Freddie Prince Jr. and Friends? Freddie Prince Jr. and Friends, and who was supposed to be Sandy originally. So why don't I save it for when we talk about that part of the story? Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Fine got something to look forward to guys yeah, he's had yeah and guys if you're listening
2: don't just google who was supposed to play sandy and the one with the male nanny now just wait just you wait f-
3: just fucking wait just all right? like,
2: treat this like it's the olden days and you don't have yeah. the internet and you've got some joy left in your lives you know
3: yeah
2: yeah um so there you go all right what well, should we do this week's
3: request peter go for it season nine episode six uh this week's request
2: is from dave, uh, dave. and it goes like this uh, hello lads love the podcast Got into it after my brother recommended it. We were both fans, Pete, would you believe it, of Out of Date.
3: Oh, remember that. Do you remember that? It's a very Out of Date reference. You, it is
2: actually, isn't it? Do you like to tell people what, what Out of Date was? We did a podcast about dating. We did. Do you know what? This is, a, <laughs> this is a tiny bit of a sore subject because over on our Patreon, when we first launched it, we said if you, like one of the tiers would have access to all the episodes of Out of Date. And then we couldn't find them all, but I think I have found them all now. So anyway, basically somebody messaged about a month ago saying, oh, I've just signed up to that tier that you can get the old podcast on. Where is it? I can't find it. I was like, oh, basically that's the first person that's cared.
3: And then I said it's not, it's not there. Sorry, and they they left Patreon immediately. Well, that's that's fair. We just have this 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 fear that out of date might have aged like piss, and therefore <laughs> aged like this episode of
2: Friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've really diverged there. Sorry. Um, back to the request from Dave. The later seasons of Friends are admittedly subpar at best compared to early ones, but the one with the nail nanny has aged extremely poorly. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad <laughs> that, that, uh, that this is the reason it's been chosen
3: yeah not requested out of like a deep love for the episode yes exactly. But requested because there were some things to discuss Does not
2: have a deep love for prejudice and misogyny you know that's really yeah. that's really what dave loves uh, no that, uh, it does however have the excellent line about we know who will be mr grumpus that is absolutely true keep up the pod it never fails to brighten my hump days big love day well hump day that means pete listens on a wednesday what does that mean pete
3: you get ads it means
2: he's not a patron Embarrassing.
3: Well, we've made patrons sound shit, haven't we?
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's true, actually. It's a waste of time. Uh, Just before we move on to discuss this week's episode, I would like to just say something about Dave and his request, because I know Dave. um, And he referenced his brother in that message to us in the request. uh, And sadly, Dave's brother Marsh uh, passed away earlier this year. And he was a lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, One of the nicest men you'll ever meet and uh, a massive fan of this podcast. Uh, He would basically only ever text me to discuss things that had happened on this podcast, uh, which I (laughs) always appreciate in a friend. (laughs) And yeah, I just really wanted to just dedicate this episode of Friends of Friends uh, to him. Lovely, lovely Marsh. Uh, Okay, shall we synopsize
3: 175256?
2: Yeah, even. Yeah, I prefer the evens. You like the evens, don't you? Uh, Classic this, Pete, directed by Kevin S. Bright. Oh, yeah. Written by Mark Kaufman and David Crane. Oh. So it's the Bright, Kaufman, Crane production, this. The, the 200th, Avengers of Friends. Presumably yeah. the 200th, and not. They just thought, let's get the old guys in. They've got loads of terrible views. Yeah. They can write this storyline. Uh, Ross and Rachel hire a male nanny, Freddie Prinze Jr., Chandler, while in oh, Tulsa, that's, that's all they've written about it. <laughs> it feels like they could Probably for the best. Yes. should we just leave it uh, Meanwhile, Chandler, while in Tulsa, freaks out when Monica tells him she's met somebody else who's the funniest man she's ever met. Uh, and meanwhile, Phoebe's scientist ex-David resurfaces, and this time he meets Mike. Note, it says, this is the longest episode of Friends, apart from the two-parters, obviously, running at 31 minutes 56 it's also the 200th episode, longest episode of Friends. Pete, that one.
3: You would have thought that, like, that there'll be a sort of a proper occasion episode to take that title, but no.
2: Well, it's more interesting that it's the 200th, and they went, "Well, have a super-sized one," but we won't fucking do, we won't anything, do anything with anything it. Do with it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll just have a sort of normal app. It is really odd, that isn't it? Hmm. Um, okay, so where do you want to start? Uh, we have the options of Sandy, uh, Phoebe, and Mike. Ross and Rachel oh no Ross and Rachel is Sunday what's the other one? Oh, Chandler and Monica yeah it's a real split into just sort of the classic
3: pairings this week isn't it let so with Chandler yeah because that's where the episode starts isn't it I mean there's a whole lot of insecure masculinity going on with Chandler let alone Ross and that's all before the titles yes
2: that is true isn't it I know the one thing I would say about this storyline so this is when Monica says she's met a man called Jeffrey at work who's the funniest man she's ever met in her life and like both Joey and Ross when they discover this go are you sh- are you joking? Did you really say that? Monica is really, I'd say really at fault in this plot line, because she just doesn't know her husband at all, does she? Like, probably the only thing that would really bother him, because he's cripplingly insecure, like you, you say, about, you know, various things, which manifests itself in his humour. And that's like, that's that's literally, we've had nine years of him doing that every minute of every episode since the start like how has monica not clocked that this might be a slightly worrying thing to say to him
3: and there is that moment where he walks in the apartment and sort of starts performing amateur stand-up it's just like (laughs) one thing after another isn't it it's it's it's
2: dreadful that isn't it although it also does the sort of the portmanteau thing where he's putting two words together which the only problem with that is that i do that all the bloody time and it really was like oh god that's that's how old i am and that's my level of humor these days is chandler's bad humor
3: I do love that it's greeted with, was your cabin pressurised?
2: Yes. And also there's a little bit further on when he uh, goes up to Phoebe and goes, and don't get me started on how the people from Tulsa talk. And she goes, <laughs> yeah. okay, and walks yeah. away. Like, really funny, really funny bit. Before, though, he gets back, Pete, we've got a bit of Friends, classic Friends time zone fun to play with, haven't we? Yeah, it, because Chandler's tucked up in bed. It really makes it seem like they're at the other side of the world, doesn't it? Like, Monica is in her apartment in daylight and Chandler is... Like, fast asleep. Uh, Tulsa, Pete, is
3: one hour behind New York. (laughs) Yes, So (laughs) Monica's had a very late night at work and Chandler's tucked up in bed. And I I do like that kind of croaky uh, hello bit as well. Very relatable,
2: isn't it? When you think clearing your throat is going to make you sound really awake. (laughs) I feel like the last year and a half, we've really come to learn how to do that. Because I've been caught out a couple of times where you sort of go, oh, shit, I've got a meeting at 9, it's 8.58, and I'm still basically asleep. And you have to sort of it doesn't just take clearing your throat and sitting up to make you seem like you've been awake for two hours, does it? Uh, so yeah, Chandler's on a mission now to prove that he is as funny as Jeffrey. Jeffrey, by the way, fun fact, is named apparently after Jeffrey Clarick, who is David Crane's partner. That's a nice oh, little okay. nice little nod to him. And and Jeffrey Clarick and David Crane did episodes together as well later, so that's um he's sort of part of this world, isn't he? In the universe. In the universe, in the Tribbiani universe. Well, the LeBlanc universe, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so 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 Chandler does that terrible, terrible sort of stand-up routine, does he? And then he goes to speak to Joey. And this, I'd say, probably my favourite scene of the whole episode when Chandler goes to speak to Joey, because not much happens, but there's like two or three really funny bits in a row. Chandler goes across to Joey and he's reading Busty Ladies like it's a novel.
3: Oh, yes. <laughs>
2: he goes in, Joey's reading very intently. Uh, this porno mag, and um, and then he asks Joey to set him up for a joke, and Joey responds with, "Oh, I'm not so good with le- remembering lines."
3: Oh, and doors swinging open and fire trucks. Yeah, great, fi- fire trucks.
2: Yeah, it's just it, Joey just like peppers this episode from time to time, but it's all absolute gold. But yeah, like I said earlier, it just it takes Joey and Ross to point out to Monica what a dreadful like thing this is is to say to her husband, and then like you say, they do all this bit where they're all. Well, they're all just laughing at everything he says and he clocks it, doesn't he? Sympathy laughs. Sympathy laughs. Nobody likes sympathy laughs, do they, Pete?
3: Maybe I'll edit out any laughter that I do at anything you say, and it'll sound like everything you say just falls flat on his heart. Oh, no, that'd be sad, wouldn't it? Please don't do that.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> an awful episode to listen back to, that would be. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Um, there's also a bit, and I know we haven't got to the Sandy storyline later, but... That bit where um, Joey's sort of saying, Oh, being funny is Chandler's thing. Like Ross's thing is, and then Ross is trying to. Ross pompously suggests academia as his second thing. Ugh, and being Ross, a good father. Yeah, not so much. When's the last time we saw Ben? Yeah, you don't three even years see ago. Him. Yeah. Uh, I'd say Ross's things are prejudice and misogyny, probably, mm. based on the rest of this episode, but never mind. <laughs> the only other thing to say about this storyline is right at the end, when Chandler goes back to Tulsa and says, oh, if your friend Jeffrey's got anything funny to say, get him to email me at www.... Dot <laughs> yeah, like,
3: you have to send an email via a website.
2: <laughs> it it's like, I know it was probably a bit early in the world of sort of mainstream internet, but not that early, to be fair, 2002. But also, just it just dates it so funnily that nobody on the writing staff or in the cast or anywhere picked up that that was a fucking mad thing to say is it?
3: Sign of the times with Americans only recently discovering email of course. (laughs) Yes well exactly we know about the tech delay don't we All right, shall we
2: have a small uh, advertorial break and then let's talk about Phoebe and Mike The head of the Iranian <laughs> FA wasn't going to give us the rights yeah. until uh, he suddenly went,
3: Mister Bean, and pointed at Nick, and then so he then reenacted the scene that yeah. Nick does
0: he with said, Rowan Atkinson. He, he, yeah, yeah. yeah, he said, he said,
1: he said, you nicked Mister Bean's camera, and I said, yeah, 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 that's true. He said, Mister Bean put a bin on your head, I said, yes, that's true. He
3: said, Mister Bean poked you with a pen, and you yeah, made yeah, a yeah. noise, I said, yeah, that's true, and then he's he paused and he went. I will be Mr. Bean. <laughs> so there I am in the office of, uh, actually, the Iranian <laughs> oil ministry yeah, it was, yeah. with a bin on my I mean, head, I- and he's poking me with a pen.
0: <clears throat> the famous sloping pitch with Chris England, Nick Hancock, and guests from Great Big Owl. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
2: So this bit begins in the coffee house. Oh, it's quite a a little bit nauseating, isn't it? The holding hands thing.
3: It is. The other thing is that I don't really... Why doesn't Phoebe immediately get that Mike's giving her a key to his apartment? Like, if someone gave you... If your other... Like, the person you were singing gave you a... Singing? Singing. (laughs) The person I was singing. No, 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 don't say it again, Pete. That'll stay in. The person... Yes, (laughs) the person I was singing. If the person that you were singing gave you... Gave you a key. Yeah. You'd just be like, well, that's to their flat. Well, this is kind of what exactly what I wrote down. And it's
2: not like it could possibly be anything else. Really, is it? No, it's a key to my bike lock. Yeah, well, exactly. But they don't look like that. Like those sort of keys are basically only door keys, aren't they? Like a car key looks different. A bike key looks different. It's odd that she goes, oh, I would have preferred the five dollars. Like, what do you think's happening here? Then we just get the start of the the sort of... Well, actually, there's another good Joey bit in that, isn't it Again, not really in this episode, but he's the one that sort of instigates that whole key-giving thing, isn't he? Cause he's when
3: sort of, he comes in and he makes it very uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, he sort of goes, is this getting serious? Have we not talked about
3: this yet? Yeah, but also forces them to have a
2: conversation. Yeah. Oh, he's doing, he's doing good work. He's doing good work. He pushes... Um, well, I mean, some would say, arguably, Joey's responsible for Mike walking in on Phoebe and David. But, you know... I'd say the layer that responsibility lies at Phoebe more than anyone.
3: If I'd just been given a key to someone's apartment. Yeah. Even if I thought they were in, I wouldn't just walk in.
2: Right. I know what you mean, yeah.
3: But like if you gave me a key to your apartment, I would only use that key to your apartment if you weren't in.
2: Right. If you're sort of like, oh, I'll be home late, but you've got a key, let yourself
3: in. Yeah. I wouldn't just walk in your flat. Yes.
2: Yeah. It's 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 Considering they start the episode not knowing if they're even in a serious relationship, to <laughs> yeah. so then 20 minutes later B. Mike just letting himself in like he's like he's coming in from a hard day for, at work, coming in for dinner. It's, it's, it's very different, isn't
3: it? Then David turns up, and then we get the start of
2: the quite long David-Mike triangle, don't we?
3: David's very sweet about Phoebe. like That line he says about how beautiful she is is very lovely.
2: Yes, yes. I'd, I'd say it's a strange energy David's bringing to this, because I would say, bit of a weird to do to just turn up at someone's flat from the airport having not alerted them but he sort of does explain it but it's still kind of odd isn't it
3: i guess this must be like foreshadowing david coming back and complicating things when phoebe and mike are on the brink of getting engaged and stuff like he he's he's sort of this is the the reminder that david exists before later in this series we have the whole barbados thing
2: yes absolutely yeah And, and they're sort of reintroducing him slowly aren't they Yeah. Um, And and like you say, he is very sweet. I just would have thought if he was on a work trip to New York, they'd have got him a hotel. He was like, I got in the cab and I didn't know where to go. Go to your hotel, mate. And now he doesn't have a suitcase. No, he doesn't have a suitcase. That's very poor planning from him on almost every level, isn't it?
3: I do love their dweeby kind of scrap a bit later as well between oh, the David and Mike fight, when the Phoebe
2: says, stop it before <laughs> someone gets really hurt. <laughs> it does It does sort of, it's a really nice way of highlighting the sort of men that Phoebe really falls for <laughs> and how sort of gentle they are. And, uh, you know, the whole thing resolves very nicely, doesn't it? With David sort of popping back in and saying, here's my number, have you ever come to Minsk? Hit me up. It's, it's all very pathetically non-confrontational, but in a lovely way, do you know what I mean?
3: David says about, oh, so you're coming to Minsk. Well, I might. A yeah. <laughs> few other really good Phoebe lines in this story as well. Yeah. When Monica says, David, really, the scientist <laughs> guy? And really, Chandler? Yeah. And that being a sort of argument-winning uh, put-down. Nothing to come back to from that, is there? And also, given my lifelong search for irony, you can imagine how <laughs> happy I am. Yeah,
2: Yeah. she does have a great episode with this, doesn't she?
3: She she? She brings
2: all of this on herself, doesn't she, is the problem.
3: Oh, yeah, totally self-inflicted. Like she could have nipped this in the
2: bud at about five different stages before she did by just not, you know. And I know she sort of panics and goes, no. Uh, she doesn't even really say the word no, does she? She just makes a noise. Um, but she should have definitely probably just broken it to him a bit earlier. I, I, I'm trying to. It's interesting to work out what she was
3: actually trying to do. What did she think was going to happen if she went to dinner with David, you know? She was just blindsided by the fact she had tunnel vision, didn't she, because yeah. she saw David in front of her and really likes him. The 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 stressful
2: thing as a viewer is... When they've sort of got away with it, they do the kiss, and then she said, and "I thought, like in my memory, because I haven't watched this one for a long time, because for the obvious reasons, um, that's when Mike walks in." You know what I mean? That would be the obvious point for Mike to walk in is when they were they, they're kissing. But it's not. I, I'm grateful that that's not what they did. But once they've got over that. It's really quite stress inducing when Phoebe goes, Oh, we could just have a little kiss on the cheek as you leave. Like it's like oh you've gone back in. Why are
3: you what what are you doing? Well, of course, that wouldn't fit the Dave Cripp threshold for a romantic
0: kiss.
2: <laughs> Passionate kiss, Pete. Passionate, Passionate kiss. Passionate, sorry, yeah. Yeah. No tongues in any of this other. No. Doesn't uh, count. <laughs> doesn't count. Um
3: Milsk's kissing greetings a bit much, isn't it? It is. And also, the yeah, the way he sort of puts his hands on each side of her face is is just very uncomfortable. Mm, yeah, everything about that is a, is a little bit icky, isn't it? Um,
2: but yeah, that you got to go to Minsk and kiss people twice on the cheeks and then once on the lips every time you see him. On the lips is well full on. Two kisses on each cheek is too much in terms of just saying hello, isn't it? But then a, a lipper, a lipper at the end. Yeah. Uh even without tongues is, is a bit too it's a bit too much, isn't it? For I I would
3: say never put your tongue in anyone's mouth when just greeting them.
2: No, oh absolutely not. Yeah, I would concur with that. That's that's you know, if there's one rule to live your life by, it's absolutely that. I mean Don't I'm... tongue grandma <laughs> oh, Peter. Unless you're a geller, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there was an episode at the wedding, isn't there, where the old aunt snogs Ross basically. Yeah. Um, oh yeah yeah. Oh, oh, it yeah. really is in the family isn't yeah, it Yeah it really does run doesn't it I mean I'm guessing the Minsk greeting isn't 100% accurate Considering the Friends writers don't even know what country Minsk is in So uh, they've probably not done a huge amount of research And they also don't know what an email address is So we can't expect <laughs> them to get all the facts right do we um, And then yeah Mike comes in And then we get that sort of nice uh, lovely, gentle resolution to the whole thing don't we And Mike's
3: sort of very forgiving I'd say very forgiving, yeah. Quickly is like very actually very mature in fairness. Yeah. He's like, Right, he understands the context, lets her off. He's not insecure enough for him to let it get in the way of his relationship with Phoebe, and on the go. Yeah, on the go, absolutely. Um, and that's pretty much the end of that chapter, isn't it? It's the end of that episode. So next week, we'll be doing <laughs> you don't get away with it that easily.
2: Okay, there's an elephant in the room with the male nanny Pete, and I'm going to address it head on.
3: actually, would you like to give us your facts first? Okay, uh, according to Freddie Prince Jr. himself, mm. uh he was a last minute casting as Sandy, like literally like the day before, and it was because the person that they had cast as Sandy as a guest star was no longer available because he was away stuck filming. That person, Dave, was Tom Hanks. That's a great fact, isn't it? Very, di- it would have made for a very different character.
2: Very different casting choice, as I was going to say. Unless this was so long ago that Tom Hanks was very young, but he wasn't as young as Freddie Prince Jr. at nah, the time. Nah, not at all. I mean, they're not the same age, famously, are they? So, how many years do you think are between Tom Hanks and Freddie Prince Jr. Actually? Tom Hanks uh, would be retiring if he worked in the UK, and it was the sort of traditional retirement age. Have changed over, then I can't remember. Sixty-five years. It was a long, 65. long-winded way of saying that. <laughs>
3: Um, Freddie
2: Prince Junior is how old? Do you think? I would guess probably twenty years younger.
3: Like mid he 40s. is exactly twenty years younger. Really? Yeah, very good. Well done. Me and
2: Freddie Prince Junior have the same star sign. Cool story, bro. Couple of Pisces. Right, good fact, though <laughs> 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 Cool. Don't know what to add to that. Is nothing. What's your star sign? Well, that would have been the natural uh, thing to add. Aries. Aries. So that's just after, right?
3: It's April. Yeah,
2: April. Yeah. Yeah. Um there you
3: go. Any famous there <laughs> Uh Brian McFadden from Westlife Is he? Share a birthday with him. Former League United defender Lucas Radaby. Share a birthday. same birthday.
2: Mm, yeah. That's 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 a that's a trio of great birthdays, that is.
1: Mm.
3: What well, Brian McFadden, me and Lucas Radaby. No one gives a fuck about this show, do they? The guy from Panic at the Disco. Have that.
2: The the, the main
3: one. Yeah. What's his name again? Brendan Urey Yes, that's
2: right. There is an element, in, an element in the room, an elephant in the room. There's lots of elements in the room. God, have we gone mad? I think we've gone mad. Now, it goes without saying that Ross's behaviour is awful in
3: this, right? Can I put my take on all of this in, in some kind of context before we start? Yeah. So I was thinking about this episode before watching it, and thinking that, hey, perhaps Ross's behaviour is to some extent like explainable given what he says about how his dad behaved and how that impacted him because yeah. that's that's where this ends up, isn't it? And then I started watching the episode and I thought, now nah, fuck him. Like, because what actually ends up happening is along the path to this explained behaviour of, well, it comes from the way his dad raised him is so much stuff that I- I'm afraid you just can't defend or excuse. Right.
2: Yeah. And that is absolutely the case and I would 100% agree with that. My problem here, there is a lot of stuff you can't defend Ross for. The only thing I would say that might might creep into the defensive column is, Sandy's a bit annoying, isn't he?
0: <laughs> but
3: he's like meant to be very sort of saccharine and sweet, of isn't course, he? Of course, of course. But
2: what I'm saying is there are, there are moments of his behaviour which are deliberately over the top and saccharine, like you say, but it is a bit annoying, isn't it?
3: But you can assume that this character would have been much the same sort of personality, and Ross would have had the same issues with Sandy as a character, regardless of who was playing it. So it's it's. You, you, I I was also sort of watching it, thinking like would Tom Hanks have played it in the same way. Yeah, it's interesting though. Is be a very different character I would have thought?
2: Maybe not. Maybe they would have just maybe they would have just played it the same. Um anyway, that's I'm absolutely not defending Ross at all because it might have been more defensible if he just went, oh, "Do you know what? It's just a bit annoying. Like I don't like all the I don't like all the singing and dancing, you know. I want a- Yeah,
3: you could have made a thing about it being really annoying that Sandy like kept seemingly getting the fucking recorder out. Right. Like he he does do some annoying things and the yeah. the way he is with the puppets is quite annoying. Um but you're, you're right, you could have made Ross's issue with him being about the fact that he just found him really annoying mm. because all, all that stuff, you're right, actually, all that stuff is there, that ammunition is there, but they don't choose to do that. What instead they choose to do with... And I don't remember, like... let. Uh, but I maybe have become a bit sort of desensitised to this episode and let's be honest, there's all sorts of misogyny going on here and yeah. naturally my perception of this episode is... Is I, like I'm aware of that, but the thing that I kept clocking was the the stuff about um, other sexualities because I'm a gay person, of and course. that's the stuff that just naturally was a bit more apparent to me. While I was thinking in my head, oh, maybe I can justify Ross's behaviour a bit because of his dad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then there was the "Are you gay?" when he says that yeah. to uh, Sandy, like completely unprompted. And then I was like, "Oh, hell no!" And then even Sandy's response. Which again doesn't come down to Ross as a character, but comes down to writing. Yes. Is I get that a lot doing what I do. Right. Well, you fucking shouldn't. Yeah. So that's, that's another really odd bit. And then there's the, You've got to be at least bi. Like, it's not a fucking scale, guys. Like, you don't graduate from straight to bi to gay. That's not, that's not how Vi- it works. Via, via being
2: more emotional, which is yes. basically what he's suggesting, isn't it?
3: Which, and, and I know that the temptation with friends is to... Oh, am I totally on my soapbox now? Um, I, I know that the it. temptation with friends is to say, oh, this is a different time. And that, um, well, they wouldn't do that these days. I'm afraid that with some of this stuff, let's be honest, they should have known better than this yeah. at the time. Yeah. Like we're not looking at things and 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 finding things that are misogynistic and and labelling them as that in hindsight. Like this is problematic. This is misogynistic, and this does treat people's sexualities in a really bad way and that's not just us looking at it from a 2021 perspective that's us thinking they really should have done better at the time
2: agreed because ultimately and this this was sort of my thought running through it is the answer to are you gay could easily be yeah and yeah or it could be no but i just i work with kids is that is that fine and you know i just like kids There's, and, and and freddie prince jr has that line sort of like you say going oh it's unorthodox i know and it's like why why is this why is what what is about this apart from prejudice that other people bring to it is particularly unusual in any way it might be that male nannies are in the minority sure by you know in the same way that Primary school teachers are in the minority just because of the way the stats work. Do you know what I mean? But it doesn't. You don't. You don't go to a primary school teacher that's a man and go. You're gay. You're probably gay, aren't you? If you If you're doing that, and it's it's a very strange way that they um, that they approach the whole thing. And even to the point where the title is basically a joke. Do you know what I mean? The title is the one with the male nanny. Oh, what a weird thing that is.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's the use of it's the assumption that nanny is like a, a, a feminine occupation.
2: Yeah, and, and, and using the thing as a as the title, you know, more often than not in friends, is like the one with that funny thing that happens, the one with that wacky thing. And it's like the one with a person doing a job. Not really a sort of that, punchline, is it?
3: There's also that really odd bit in this episode as well, where in this storyline where when letting sandy down and and, well sacking him yeah uh ross says i'm just not comfortable with a guy who's as sensitive as you says the most overly sensitive man (laughs) in the history of like sitcoms like it the 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 lack of self-awareness there
2: yeah i mean the the only saving grace of the whole ross thing is the schwimmer the way david schwimmer acts that scene in the kitchen where he's Trying to be like he's too sensitive, whilst delicately eating the madeleine and and really enjoying it. Do you know what I mean? Like that, they they, they find a little bit of physical comedy in that, but well, but that's that's Ross, isn't it? Ross doesn't Ross isn't a manly man, as Rachel points out, and that's absolutely fine. But it's a strange it's a strange thing to really have a massive problem with, isn't it?
3: And I can also see what the writers of this episode tried to do with. How they make Ross the butt of the joke at the end because of the whole and it's summer and it's why can't you wear a tank top? Like I, I could see what they were trying to do there to make it. Oh, actually, look how insecure Ross is. Yeah. But I'm afraid you've insulted a few too many groups of people to get to that point. Yeah. I think yeah. I think you've the the path that they've taken to get there isn't quite rare. well. It's
2: actually worse, I think, in 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 a way because it's it's from the from the viewer's point of view. It's almost you could read into that. Kind of fine to be a bit homophobic if you had a bit of a tricky childhood, isn't it? Do you know what I mean yeah, it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's the justification of that is absolutely not what we should be getting to as a as a resolution there, is it?
3: Yeah. Well, Ross's insecurities don't give him an excuse to do no. the things that he does, and I think they tried to make his insecurities be his excuse, and that's not that's no. not quite right.
2: No, no, no. And they're definitely. I think it's probably definitely right to try and soften him at the end in that way and go look guys here's where it's from but yeah it's it's not the two things don't equate in you know if you're doing algebra
3: and i think we are we are (laughs) supposed to (laughs) i think we are supposed to think ross is absurd as well we like like even before we get to that point where he says things like about the madelines that sandy's made they're of even what does he say butch manly cookies with chunks or something yes like that's that's obviously meant to seem ridiculous yeah
2: I think that's I think that's kind of part of the thing, isn't it? Is that they're almost portraying Ross as so um, obnoxiously wrong, but they're not quite doing it to the point where you, you quite get there. Do you know what I mean? Like, they have those moments of sort of him being comically ridiculous with the butch-manly cookie chunks, but actually the rest of it kind of falls in the middle of him just being a prick.
3: Basically... Insecurity and being obnoxious doesn't excuse the behaviour that you choose to display as a result of it. You can't just write it off because he's really insecure. Like, it it just doesn't work like that.
2: But I'll tell you what, Pete. On the other hand, this storyline does give us a rare glimpse into Ross's kitchen, so... That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So it's all worth it, guys. (laughs) For for fans of the sets of Friends, the lesser spotted sets of Friends, you get a Ross Kitchen klaxon. Do, do, do.
3: And this storyline, we've made it sound completely joyless, which uh, it, it <laughs> we isn't. Really are, because we? the bit with the like I, I know, like Sandy is like a he's a good character, like a good guest star and a good yeah. character, and and the uh the stuff with the puppets and Joey's interaction with Sandy is particularly good, yeah. and that's a really nice bit to this, and how sweet Rachel finds him is also quite lovely. Um and I think there are definitely some positives to it as well. It's just under this big misogynistic, homophobic cloud.
2: Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah, do you know what, actually, though? The, the, the only other thing that I wrote down is the bit that I could take direct offence at, which is that playing a musical instrument is the tipping point into being too sensitive.
3: Yeah.
0: Because yeah. that's
2: the bit where they've had all the shit so far and then, I, th- I can't remember what the exact line is, but it's like, how? Can- what do you mean too sensitive? And the punchline is, man plays instrument to <laughs>
3: Man gets recorder out. Yeah. yeah.
2: Man-, man shows quite a lot of skill because anyone that's ever been near a recorder knows they're fucking foul and they always sound shit. And you know what? Sandy's making it sound pretty nice. Fair fucks to
3: is it just a UK
2: thing where um, kids? learn Everyone has a recorder. Where everyone yeah.
3: learns the. Re- I think I ha- I think
2: I owned a recorder. Yeah, I think we all owned recorders at primary school. It's kind of like having a
3: like pencil who, case, wasn't it? You had to buy one. The marketing of of um of recorders for them to be considered childhood essentials. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's superb, like, uh, branding, isn't it? Yeah, somebody clearly at some point went, I've got a fucking great idea, lads. Got a pencil case, great. But what you really need is a fucking recorder. (laughs) Like, you can't possibly go to school without one.
2: And it's fascinating because it is one of the instruments that, I mean, violin, string instruments are foul when you don't know how to play them properly. But a recorder
3: sounds absolutely dog shit until you're very good at it. It sounds horrible. It's like I love those uh, videos where people put badly played recorder songs over the top of you right. know like the Jurassic Park yes, theme exactly. when people instead play it on like the kazoo
2: yeah yeah exactly it's that it's a comedy instrument in that sense isn't it but what I'm yeah. saying is Sandy makes it sound quite nice although the one thing that does annoy me and anybody else in a sort of musician sensibilities when they play the recorder together Joey and Sandy playing hot cross buns the fucking harmonies on it do my nutting because they're wrong <laughs> every time I've watched that I'm like that's not right did, did that did that annoy you
3: uh, no, because I'm not at all musically talented, so that <laughs> stuff went over my head. But do you know what I have got? What? A version of the, the theme to Friends on the recorder, which I think will take us into the quiz quite nicely. Do you want to hear oh, it? Oh, lovely, yeah.
2: The only other one thing I want to say about that storyline is that Gary Poppins doesn't work as a play on words. It only works works written down. Gary and Mary sound different. That's all I'll say. Carry on. The
3: quiz. right, let's do a quiz. Yes, please. Hey, Dave, it's the return of the fluff quiz at Amy.
2: Thank you, Amy.
3: About bloody time, too? Uh, Question one.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was our fault, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh,
3: Name three things in Mike's pocket. Well, the key. The key, the $5, and the gum. How long is it until Rachel is due to go back to work? Interestingly, it's four weeks. I can tell you for why, Pete. Oh, very very confident, that was. <laughs> oh, is that correct? Giving yourself a noise before I've even said whether it's right. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's right.
2: Thank you. Um, because it's only it, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of timeline issues about when she actually does end up going back to work that don't fit in with this. Do you know what I mean? Which people on the internet have had a lovely time detailing and I can't even really be bothered to go into, but there you go. Um, carry on.
3: Uh, question three. Uh, how long did Sandy work for his last family? Uh, five years? Incorrect. Three. Three. Mm, fair. Uh, question four. What was the name of the child Sandy looked after before Emma? Daniel?
2: Yes, it was Daniel, wasn't it? Not Skidandy.
3: Uh, is correct. Yeah. Uh, very, you were these... Giving yourself another map before I've even said it's right. Oh no, you said Daniel, right? Respect the format sorry, of quiz. Sorry. Question five. How do you say this thing that I'm looking at, <laughs> wow, in Russian? That is hard. I mean, I can kind of make the noise of it, but I don't know how it's actually. It's like Stoya, and then it ends with Viju. Oh. I mean, fair play. What's the actual answer? The actual answer, and apologies to yeah. anyone who can speak Russian. Stoya tez viju, and then it ends with oi.
2: Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to give you half a mark for that, which we never Thanks. do on this podcast, but I think it deserves that because that was a decent effort.
3: Cheers. Um, Hey, Dave. Pete. Would you like to know what next week's episode is? Yes. Right. You even fucked that up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a double requester. Is it? From both Joe and Gemma. Okay, hit me. And it's the one with the apothecary table. Oh. Apothecary, apothecary? Apothecary. They say apothecary, don't they? Apothecary. They say apothecary. Apothecary
2: table. Um, yes, the the infamous uh, subtle product placement of the Pottery Barn uh, mm. products, <laughs> which is one of the wildest things that have happened in television. But there you go. All right. Next week's episode will be sponsored by Pottery Barn in
0: That's stamps.com. Code program. Bye.
3: Goodbye.